0: This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment by moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams.
1: Thanks for joining me today on the Parenting ADHD podcast. Today, we're going to talk with Linda Rogley about how ADHD is different for girls and how you can support your daughters um, with that diagnosis through the years. Linda Rogley is a professional certified coach, an award-winning author, and the founder of the AD Diva Network for ADHD Women 40 and Better. She is a nationally recognized expert in midlife and senior ADHD. In 2016, she co-founded the annual ADHD Women's Palooza, a week of online conversation with 36 of the world's top ADHD women's experts and more than 5,000 women attended. Linda's the ADHD expert on selfgrowth.com, a guest blogger on 60andme.com, and a regular contributor to and blogger for Attitude Magazine. She lives in Durham, North Carolina with her slightly OCD husband and two adorable ADHD Shelties. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Linda. I really appreciate it. Glad to have you here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. And I'd forgotten that I had my adorable ADHD Shelties on there, but sometimes (laughs) they qualify. Absolutely.
1: Sure, sure. So... You and I know each other from website work, and I've definitely been involved some with your ADHD Women's Palooza, Um, and so I knew that you would be a great person to talk to about ADHD in girls and how it's different than boys, how it presents differently, how it affects them differently. So um, I'm really excited to have that conversation with you and to help our listeners who have girls at home.
2: I absolutely because there are a lot of differences. I'm I'm you know when when I was I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was an adult actually in my late 40s and I laughed because like everyone else in the world, my stereotype of ADHD is that twitchy little boy who right, is can't right. sit still and running around the classroom with his desk on his head. Right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, that was that was what I thought it all was about. And as I learned more about my own ADHD and began to look backwards at my life, because ADHD remembers if you're if your moms out there are thinking, you know, this sounds like me too. It's about longevity of symptoms. So when I looked back over my life, I realized that yes, I had these ADHD symptoms when I I was a little girl, but a no one noticed, or they noticed in a bad way. But b no one knew about ADHD then, and they didn't associate it with girls, even if they did. Um, if they did know about ADHD, so that's what I'd really like to share with your listeners today is the is the way ADHD presents differently in girls, mm-hmm. and also the way they handle that ADHD diagnosis, and the way parents, not only moms but dads, can help support. Their, their daughters as they move through this sometimes difficult process.
1: Absolutely. Let's first start out by talking about how ADHD looks differently in girls. So if there's a parent at home who may suspect that her daughter has ADHD or maybe they don't suspect yet, what what are kind of some of those aha symptoms that look differently in girls?
2: Well, first let's talk about, thank you for asking, because let's talk first about how ADHD shows up in that traditional twitchy little boy mm-hmm. syndrome. Um, little boys are often hyperactive slash impulsive. So those terms go together. Hyperactive and impulsive go together. Um, they're often the kiddo who will be talking out in class or will be, um, you know, will be rambunctious and will be kind of, you know, always unable to sit still, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, often, often little girls who um, have hyperactive. Tendencies, which you know, kind of frankly, they kind of push get pushed away as you get older and older. But as little girls who have the hyperactive piece, they tend to be chatty, Cathy, right? They chat with each other, they tend to be you know, bubbly. I mean, they may get out of their seats as well, but um, they tend to be. Because girls are socialized differently than boys, and I hate to say that in this late era. I mean, all this feminism that we've had all these years, and we're still, unfortunately, socializing with girls and women differently than we are men and boys. And the expectation is that you're going to sit still. You're going to keep your knees together. You're going to be a, quote, good girl. And I'm using air quotes, even though you can't see me. Yes. Um, So so girls are taught from a very, very young age that they are different than, they, they have to act differently than boys do. And because they act differently, and I just, want to, I just want to mention, I was thinking about this last night before when we talked about what we're going to talk about today, um, even from the the minute they are born little girls little baby infant girls are their brains are bathed in estrogen and they tend to be more relationship oriented so little girls will tend to more more quickly and more and for a longer period of time look at faces where little boys will glance at a face and and turn their attention somewhere else they're more other directed where i mean other information directed where girls start out being very attuned to what other people Look like what they see, their reactions, et cetera, et cetera, and that's what happens with ADHD as well. So little girls who are chatty Kathy's um, are just kind of oh tisk tisk, isn't that cute? They're they're having a little conversation. A teacher may say, "All right, girls, I'm going to separate you if you can't stop talking, sure. passing notes, all that kind of good stuff." Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. inattentive little girls. So I'm going to I'm going to move this forward a little bit as we go through. But I'm thinking about elementary school now, young elementary, kindergarten, elementary school. Um, Inattentive little girls, and remember that most women tend to be inattentive, most girls tend to be inattentive, that's by far the majority of of women and girls who are diagnosed with inattentive type ADHD, Mm -hmm. they are Mm -hmm. not making any trouble. They are sitting in their seats, they're doing that good girl thing, not because they're trying to be a good girl, but just because they're absorbed in their own thoughts. They may be anxious. They may be feeling um, a lot of worry about things, but they're not letting it out of their bodies. So they're doing exactly what that teacher wants them to do, which is sitting still and supposedly paying attention because they may be looking at her, but their brains are totally in a different direction. Or they may be that typical kind of dreamy, creamy kind of inattentive girl, and they may be looking out the window while the teacher's talking about, you know, two plus two is or um, she, the, the little gal is looking out the window, wondering why the bluebirds are flying all around, and is there a nest over there? And could she see the babies when they go out for recess? And, right. on, and mm-hmm. on and on and on. So their minds are chattering, even if their mouths are not, with inattentive ADHD. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the problem becomes, and it's, this is easier to to um, catch when when kids get into school, when children get into school, because this good girl this inattentive good girl may be paying may appear to be paying attention in class but often is late with assignments if there's if there's homework or they they come home and their papers, their papers are in disarray. Their book bag is a mess. You can't find anything. Oh, you, you you mean to tell me you have a you have a class trip next week and and you can't go because I didn't sign the permission slip. Where was the permission slip? Who knows? Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of distraction, um, disorganization. Those things go hand in hand with inattentive ADHD. But the real test comes when we have little girls getting their report cards and suddenly their grades are in the you know in the basement because they're not paying enough attention to be able to do well on tests and be able to, you know, turn in papers on time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's when a lot of little girls are caught, if they're caught at all. But often they just parents parents and teachers will say, Well, she needs a tutor. She just needs to buckle down. Have you ever heard this? It drives me crazy when people say she just yes. needs to try harder. Yes. You know anything about ADHD, saying try harder to someone with ADHD is like some you know, tell them to go jump in a well. I mean, it's crazy. You that does not work. It's more stress. And the more stress little girls, especially inattentive little girls, have, the more they shut down. Their brains go into brain freeze, I call it. It's like right. eating ice cream, except their brains are freezing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so as we as we progress. Further, little boys are being are being um, diagnosed because they're the ones that are jumping up and running around. Keep in mind, this is also a tragedy, and I do call it a tragedy on purpose here because um, finding out about your ADHD earlier can change your life. Yeah, Inno- exactly. Inattentive little boys often suffer the same consequences as inattentive little girls. Mm-hmm. They are missed because they're not acting up and they're they're sitting in their seats minding their own business. They may be ridiculed by other little boys because they have social issues. And, And that's very true for little girls as well. Often ADHD girls in elementary school will have trouble making and keeping friends. Um, they don't have good social skills and it's not i don't want to imply that parents have any responsibility for teaching their children how to be friends that's not what happens here you know most people don't teach their their kids how to be friends that it just kind of comes naturally mm-hmm. but with ADhD kiddos especially little girls because remember they're in such in they're so about relationship that they they don't know exactly how to do it because they're not catching the social cues from other little girls their age, their peer Mm -hmm. group. They're not knowing exactly how to respond. Or worse... They've not paid attention to the first 15 words that their friend, their so-called friend, said, and they only heard the end of it, and they totally misinterpreted what was going on. Right. Or they, mm-hmm. or their brain shuts down in the middle of a game. Or they, or alternately, impulsive, hyperactive little girls may try to take charge. They may miss, They may be bossy pants, as they, as the book uses <laughs> the book right. says. Um, they may be really more aggressive, and you know, you're going to do it my way kind of attitude. So there are extremes in little girls one of them is very much shut down kind of not paying much attention distracted and the other extreme is that kind of bossy chatty kathy i'm all out there and it almost sounds like one's an introvert one's an extrovert and there's there's a little correlation there but not completely so i'm going to take a breath and i'm gonna let you say something <laughs> so <laughs> the
1: Yeah, you talked about when girls often seem bossy. Mm -hmm. And that can happen. My son with ADHD has kind of had the same problem in, in his interactions with other kids. He appears to be bossy. And what I've learned over the years is that he's a very black and white concrete thinker. So he only sees one way. And that's the way that he's projecting, you know, so there's, there's a lot of different reasons for that other than just being a personality trait that they're bossy, but that's what it looks like on the surface to teachers and parents and, and their peers. Um, The other thing that I was going to comment on that you said was Mm -hmm. when people tell our kids to try harder makes mm. me completely insane because I always equate it to a child with a physical handicap because this, you know, ADHD is a physiological difference. Your, are you know, the brain is biologically different. And so it's like asking a kid in the wheelchair to try harder to get up and walk, Right, like, you know, and he might really try for a few minutes, but he's still not going to get there. And I, th- you know, it, it's really important people dismiss The impact of ADHD so often, and it makes me crazy because you know it really is a physiological difference, like a physical handicap that people can see on the outside right away. You know, so I think it's absolutely right, it's a really important message for parents and teachers to -hmm. understand that try harder is not going to affect change you're not going to suddenly cure adhd by asking a child to try harder
2: and actually as i mentioned it can actually make things worse because when because when um our adhd brains mine and mine included um when i'm under stress that's when i can't Think. I can't believe I ran an advertising agency, and my motto was creativity on demand. I can't think of anything worse for an ADHD brain than having to be creative on demand. Mm-hmm. Someone look at me and go, okay, go ahead, be creative. It's like, uh, I'm just, you know, deer in the headlights kind of thing. And that's how kids feel when they're asked to do things, perhaps in, at the board, in front of everyone, when they're so embarrassed about doing anything. They may know the right answer. They may be able mm-hmm. to, to do that, but they can't remember anything about how their competencies were when they're in kind of under the microscope, if you will. And that doesn't help with socialization either, if you're no. being laughed at because you're being, quote, stupid in front of the teacher and the whole class. Uh, there's just, there are a lot of pitfalls to socialization. And keep in mind that when we're young, our, cho- or our children are young, um, we really, 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 um, that's the time that we form that opinion about ourselves. Who am I in the world? And of course we do that all the way through our lifetime. We revise our our opinions and our the way we approach the world. But especially when we're young, things are in an accelerated mode. So every little insult that comes in is a little notch on our on our children's souls. Yeah. And we and it hurts us because we don't we aren't always there when it happens, so we don't know exactly we don't exactly know what happened, but we know that our kids are suffering. And that's just, that just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really easy for girls in elementary school to fall through the cracks because often they, they get by, they're not struggling quite yet. And as the, as they get older, the demands on their executive functions increase and, and um, the expectation that they can manage themselves increases. And I think then, often the red flag starts to wave.
2: Well, and it's, there's a couple of things. I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, girls tend to do better in school up until about third grade anyway, whether they have ADHD or whether they don't. And that's partly because of mental development. It doesn't have anything to do with whether the a a boy is less smart than a girl, but about third or fourth grade, things begin to even out and boys begin to, to either even out, you know, equal girls or even surpass them on an average. I'm not talking about individual situations, but when, when girls get to get to the point that they are beginning to get into the menstrual cycle and and sometimes that can happen as early as fourth grade usually it's fifth or sixth somewhere you know somewhere in that vicinity that girls are starting to feel the effects of estrogen going on in their body so male diagnosis of little boys Reaches a you know is is higher in the early years of elementary school mm-hmm. for girls ADHD diagnoses not only increases at, at adolescence um, because of the social demands and the more you know extra pressure and of course middle school is that kind of oh you know no man's land if you will if you um, you have to change classes and you don't have the same thing you know, the structure changes and everything. But I'd like to talk if it's okay if I kind of switch gears here just a little bit, yeah. I'd really yeah. like to talk about the effects of estrogen on the ADHD women's brain. And it starts of course with little girls. As I mentioned, we start with an estrogen bath in our in our in our brains and that makes us more relationship oriented. By adolescence, of course, the estrogen is beginning to take a little bit more form, if you will. It has a purpose, and that is to help us be be prepared to have children and to have regular menstrual cycles. But when we're in the middle of it, and any mother with a with a premenstrual daughter will testify, you know, pre-pubescent daughter, the mood swings that go along with that jumping into that are absurd. And that's because estrogen goes way, way up, and then it'll go way, way down, and it'll go way, way up, and it finally levels out. So that eventually you're having that swing just once every, we hope, every every 28 days or so. Although remember that girls and women often tend to have very different um, cycles for, for adhd um, for their periods and they also tend to have worse pms or pmdd symptoms as well as estrogen as estrogen begins to take hold in the adhd girl's brain that's when that cycle begins to go up and down and up and down with estrogen there's a huge flow of estrogen at mid-cycle and then it uh, completely goes away right before the, your period starts right before you start bleeding that's why a lot of girls with ADHD have crazy ADHD symptoms right before their period. And a few days later, it's like, oh, they've got their brain back. So it's important for moms to know and help their daughters know that if they have been diagnosed with ADHD as an adolescent, that there may be some differences in, in their brain fog or their irritability or their PMS symptoms, PMDD symptoms, um, and then their ADHD ability to be um more focused. I'm going to use the opposite. I'm going to say that they may be more distracted. They may be, they It might not be the best time for a heart to heart with your daughter right before her period starts, because right. right. she's probably not going to be able to pay attention to it and may not be able to take it in as well. So I think that's one of the, of the, um, things that moms and dads can do is to notice, especially if their daughters are, are diagnosed to notice that that adhd swing it is in exactly the opposite um, direction as the estrogen level and why is estrogen important in brains it kind of blew me away when i did some research on estrogen and i realized how much of an impact it has on all kinds of brain functions not only um, memory and distraction and those kinds of things but it actually has an impact on on how well neurotransmitters can jump that little that little chasm there that's called the synapse that is between Mm -hmm. neurons a teeny tiny little little gap there so the when the estrogen's there it's 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 not literally this but i always think of it as kind of the the sticky um catcher's mitt you know he's got the pine tar in there and the and the ball's coming in and it's like come to mama and the estrogen is that sticky tar that makes that ball stay there and when that sticky tar is gone the estrogen's gone and it's not as easy to make those synaptic synaptic connections so i don't want to get too technical here but suffice it to say that your brain just doesn't function as well without estrogen that's just it and girls at adolescents are struggling with rising and falling and then that eventually that monthly cycle a lot of women that i talk to are still having regular periods or irregular periods um are surprised to hear that estrogen is such an important part of their add ADD brain life
1: yeah i i see a lot on the attitude magazine forum which i moderate a lot of women go on and say okay is this menopause or is this my adhd getting worse and you know there's a lot of correlation all through the lifetime with adhd and feminine hormones for sure
2: yep that's right absolutely right
1: Yeah, so just for clarity's sake, I wanted to go through a little list um, that Attitude actually offers of symptoms in girls, some that we haven't touched on necessarily, but just for those parents who are listening who maybe suspect ADHD, but they're not sure. um, You know, a big one that you did touch on was feeling anxious and depressed but really not fitting that diagnosis for anxiety or depression. They're, you know, they're trying to deal with being misunderstood and um, undiagnosed. And I think that often causes a lot of anxiety and and sometimes some depression symptoms. Um, another one that they list is picking at her cuticles often, which mm-hmm. I think, again, is kind of that anxious, not quite focused and paying attention symptom. Um, appearing to be silly, to be a show-off, which I think goes more with that hyperactive type. Um, Then there's the inattentive ones, they say, that seem to fade into the background. They act kind of shy. Um, Friendships, as we already talked about. Um, You know, I think my daughter is 18. She's about to start, graduate high school and start college. And I feel certain that she is one of these kids with ADHD who has fallen through the cracks. And she was um, as early as age three. Her preschool brought somebody in to evaluate her for ADHD, which then I think the minimum age of diagnosis was six. So it was kind of crazy. But, you know, they basically said at that point, you can't diagnose a child at this age we just can't say for sure that that's what's going on. And she was pretty hyper. She was definitely the chatty Cathy, you know, even when she was really little. Um, but then she learned around third grade that kids could be really mean when you had strong interests and you talked a lot. And so, you know, by being picked on, she learned how to regulate that herself and kind of turned inward and started developing a lot of anxiety Um, and she was evaluated again in fifth grade, but she did so well in school because she worked so hard to be sure that she didn't stand out, that we could never get that diagnosis was seeing it both, you know, in more than one environment. So as she was able to really keep A's and B's through middle school. And then when she had high school, she struggled a lot more in school. And I think that that's really common for girls. Um, to start really becoming more obvious, the ADHD later on. Um, and she is resistant to that idea. She does have an anxiety diagnosis, um, but she's very resistant to the idea of ADHD because her brother has struggled so much. So who knows? You know, we, we definitely don't have a definitive diagnosis, but I see a lot of these symptoms of ADHD in girls in her, where she would not be your stereotypical case that everyone thinks about, you know, that hyper boy.
2: Right. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because one of the things that I that I failed to mention when we were talking about elementary kiddos is that a lot of times um, boys and girls differentiate um, a, very much on on exactly how they handle ADHD, whether they know they have it or not, mm-hmm. uh, especially little boys who are hyperactive will tend to be boisterous and that's supposedly, like back to these cultural norms again, that's okay for boys to be boisterous, right? right? We kind of encourage that, oh, isn't that cute, he's being a little bad boy. And boys externalize, if, if if something happens and he gets reprimanded by the teacher, he just kind of lets it roll off of him or he's even acknowledged and revered by his peers because, oh, look at him, he's like, oh, he can really handle it, blah, blah, blah. Right. Now, and I'm not saying that boys with ADHD do not have social problems, they do. They, they have still have a hard time with friendships because they tend to be either too bossy or they tend to be too assertive or they tend to be inappropriate. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll jump in when they shouldn't jump in, that kind of thing. Or overwhelming. But, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But little girls often will internalize the things that are going wrong in their world and they'll make them personal so they will take them on as this is something that is wrong with me right. and I'm to blame and if I can fix me then it will fix the rest of the world out there yeah. but they can yeah. never figure out exactly how to do that because they don't have they don't have any idea that it's something physiological as you said earlier on but it also speaks to the shame and the facade that girls build to prevent themselves from being hurt again and again and again. So mm-hmm. underneath that shell that they build, and sometimes that shell can be very fragile. And there, and then girls are called thin-skinned because you can make them cry with just a look and that kind of thing. Or they build Yeah, or they or they build it really thick so that behind out there they look like they're okay, like your daughter. Like she's she she functioned, and yes, she had to work harder to do it, but. When I was young, I worked really hard, but I didn't know that no one else didn't. You know, I thought that that was exactly how life was supposed to be. You just, I worked really hard and I got, and I actually didn't study all that much. To tell you the truth, I was lucky to have, I was lucky to have a brain that was intelligent enough that I could kind of skip by. And that's certainly not the case for all women with ADHD, but a lot of us build up this facade and then behind that facade, we feel like an imposter. We feel like we're a fraud and little girls fi- eventually, you know, if they, if they keep this facade up long enough, they get go into adulthood with this facade theory that someone's going to find out about them, whether right. it's their boss or, or a teacher or a college professor. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you said that your daughter got through because she managed to figure out how to do it. And that's kind of that building that facade, it's kind of building that, that, way of, of being in the world and you can call that coping strategies you can sure, call it sure. you know you can call it that thing but the other piece of that is that as you as you learn to cope with those things sometimes you're doing it in an effective way and sometimes it's really kind of going around your back to get to your knee kind of thing you know right um ADHD Very detrimental brains are, Exactly. Right. We're really ADHD brains tend to be creative and they don't necessarily have to be creative in the sense of being an artist or being a writer or something that's that is traditionally considered creative. We're creative in the way we problem solve. So that's okay. that thinking outside the box piece. Mm-hmm. And I and I want to I want to emphasize again and again and again that the more women and girls push themselves to the background, believing that they are the problem and they, you have to hide that problem because it's so ugly and dirty that you don't want anyone to see it or they won't like you anymore. That's why a lot of ADHD girls become people pleasers. And that carries into adulthood as well. Yeah. And, and certainly it's not always with family. (laughs) Mom will often say, I'd like to see my daughter be a people pleaser to Mm -hmm. me, but it's not about your mom because your mom is there when the facade is down right? You can't hold it up all the time, yep. but it's yeah. the world out there. And I, I know a lot of folks with ADHD kiddos who's, who just are, are the kiddo comes home and they're just, ah, yeah, you know, everything is, is coming on, un- is coming glue. They're just crazy. And, mm-hmm. and of course the ADHD medication may have worn off, et cetera, et cetera. And they go to a parent teacher meeting and the, and the teacher says, Oh, she's just fine in class. No, pro- it's just wonderful. No problem. The problem is, is that they've tr- spent so much energy holding themselves together with that outside world that they come home and they just got to let go. Yeah. They just have to let loose because they you can't keep that up forever and ever. But I just want to point out again, the difference between boys and girls is that boys tend to externalize the problems that are caused by their ADHD brains and girls tend to internalize them, which affects self-esteem often for a lifetime. Um, that's why a lot of girls, a lot of girls are diagnosed with depression. I'm not surprised that your daughter's not been diagnosed with ADHD, even though you see it because, and this is kind of one, another one of my pet peeves, but there are a lot of professionals out there who claim to understand and know a lot about ADHD oh sure I know that no problem um, and the truth is they don't know it as well as they believe they do it's not their fault they believe that they have that information but um, as a good friend of mine a physician, a psychiatrist says you know doctors diagnose what they know and what they know is anxiety and depression mm-hmm. especially for women so that's why whether you're an adolescent, usually little girls are not diagnosed with depression, but they can be. trust me, they can be yeah. um, because that that internalizing can take hold very, very early on. So a lot of doctors will diagnose anxiety or depression um, no matter at, at any age because they don't recognize that ADHD is very different. It, it presents very differently for each person. A friend of mine in, in um, Toronto took the DSM4, which is not the current. Uh, Diagnostic Statistical Manual, but it's the one before this. He took all the symptoms of ADHD and he cross-referenced them. So you had every combination and permutation of those symptoms. And he came up with 7,000 combinations, Right, 7,000 combinations. Because it's a spectrum. Right. But that's before you add in gender and culture and location and education and socioeconomic conditions. So, so, the, the psychiatrist, the psychologist who said this in, um, the film, um, uh, I just totally lost the name of film, ADD. And, oh, I'll just, I'll remember it in a minute. He said the, the, what I consider to be famous. And that is that if you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD because we are so unique that makes it harder for psychiatrists and psychologists to diagnose, um, kiddos like your daughter, and other girls, and we're, since we're talking about girls today, other girls who have done a very good job of faking it, if you will. Mm-hmm. They, they know they're faking it. And the other piece is, I want, and I really want to mention this because it's really important for anybody who's going for a diagnostic interview or testing, any of those kind of things along the, the um, realm of ADHD testing, and that is that um, I was told not to prepare for the test, and I know that sounds kind of silly. How do you prep for an ADHD um, test, if you will? Well, one way you can do it is by getting a really good night's sleep, which you don't usually get. Right. One of them is to be, you know, not have any other distractions. You know, there's, we we can do okay if we have the exact right conditions. And some of those conditions are set up within the testing um, scenario. Right. And that right. environment actually may... You may actually do better on an ADHD exam, if you will. Those are air quotes again. Mm-hmm. Um, than you would have in a, in normal circumstances, yeah. which is why I really invite people if they if they really suspect that their daughter has ADHD, and it just feels as you do. You feel. This has to be. This has to be. This. What's going on here? I see the history. I see the. I see the background of this kiddo. Um, I would strongly suggest going to more than one professional, and I know that's expensive. But think about the the expense to your child. If you don't get an accurate diagnosis, so that you can deal with it, whether it's medication or whether it's special ADHD um, therapy or tutoring or coaching or any of the realm of things that can happen, trust me. When the earlier you catch that ADHD diagnosis, the better off your child will be over his or her entire lifetime. And I am almost tears as I say that because, as I said at the early on here, it's a tragedy when this is not caught. It's that important to your child. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it it changes the essence of who they are when they're trying to internalize it and hide it and be someone that they're not. Um, And I think girls, even more often than boys, probably feel like they're broken or there's something wrong with them or they're a bad person or whatever because they don't know that they have this, brain difference and so they just see that they don't fit and they make up their own reasons for that i i talk a lot about the risks of not treating adhd untreated or undiagnosed adhd you know a lot of people talk about the risks with medication and parents especially tend to focus a lot on that But there are a lot of risks and repercussions that can happen when someone is undiagnosed or untreated. Um, You know, the risk of self-medication and um, substance abuse and addiction is increased. Um, Traffic accidents for teen drivers and even adult drivers increases. Um, There are just so many risks that people don't think about that are associated with ignoring the problem or
2: not treating it, too. Absolutely. And and one of the things that you didn't mention, but I think is worth and you may mention it other places, but just didn't mention it today, and that is unplanned pregnancies. Mm. teens with adhd teen girls with adhd have a much much higher rate of unplanned pregnancies why right. because they do have some of that impulsivity it's like mm-hmm. it feels good let's just do it and that's let's forget condoms forget birth control forget you know i decided to stay a virgin and forget all of those things forget chastity um it i'm just going to do this and i'll think about that later i'll think about the consequences later right. which of course is kind of the whole issue with adhd because it is a here and present um, interest instead of thinking about planning ahead etc because that's that that's that prefrontal cortex and remember that that prefrontal cortex which is where the quote executive function comes in mm-hmm. and that's planning and making good decisions and being able to be on time and etc cetera, etc cetera, being able to do your project start your project six weeks before it's due instead of six hours before it's due. So all of those things, that, that prefrontal cortex doesn't mature in adolescence. And often ADHD girls are developmentally, even though girls developmentally generally are ahead of boys, ADHD girls are developmentally behind other girls without ADHD exactly so yeah. when when you so that brain formation that brain crystallization in that prefrontal cortex which actually doesn't happen for non ADHD adults until really about the age of 30 I mean the 25 to 30 range is about when we really become adults even though we pretend that we're adults when we're 18 right. <laughs> it really takes longer and for ADHD folks it takes even longer than, than the norm. So expecting an ADHD child to make good decisions all the time is unrealistic. And if your ADHD girl seems like she's, um, she, she's 15 and she's actually acting like a 12 year old, that's probably age appropriate for her brain, and yet that also harms and hinders socialization and friendships and dating for that for that matter. Right, right. The other thing I want to mention, because I, I said that was an impulsive behavior for teen pregnancy, but um, and that's true for boys too. I mean, boys are impulsive as well. It's like, come on, come on, come on, but girls are the ones who are the gatekeepers, literally the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, what I wanted to mention is that even though I said that mi- most girls are inattentive, The girls who tend to be a little more hyperactive, even in the elementary school years, tend to become more combined type as they get older. And even inattentive girls may have that impulsivity piece in there. They may not have the energy. That a, a more hyperactive girl or impulsive girl may have, they may be the people who just want to sit on the couch and watch TV all night, instead of the person who wants to go out and start 15 new projects. But again, it's an internal anxiety. Their brain's still going just as fast as that is as that impulsive person. So right. if you see impulsivity creeping in to your inattentive ADHD child, it's because most women be are, are more likely to become combined type or inattentive. There literally is there it's not even measurable about the number of women who are who are hyperactive impulsive as adults. It's not even measurable. Right. So there there are no hyperactive women. There are only combined type, which is a little you know, smattering of each one, a little salt and a little pepper, or they are inattentive, primarily inattentive. And that again lower energy much more worry, much more rumination, much more taking on the blame and, and feeding it into yourself and it just grinding grinding them into the ground. And mm. that's just again, I go back to that word tragedy. It's just these I'm I'm going to use my little my my favorite little dream like my motto is that if we could get all the women in the world who are have ADHD and all the girls in the world with ADHD diagnosed and treated appropriately, we could change the world because there's that much power that is being restrained and wasted and squashed because of this ADHD difference. And that's all it is. It's a difference and not a deficit. Right.
1: Yeah. And I'm really glad that you touched on the fact that um, ADHD is a developmental disorder. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I certainly didn't. When my son was diagnosed, it took me years to really recognize that it's not just immaturity, but they are actually two to three years behind their peers in development skills, the brain development, all of that. And so I talk to parents all the time about setting appropriate expectations for kids with ADHD, because when you have a 15 year old with ADHD, you can't have 15 year old expectations. It's not realistic. You know, you have to adjust that measurement and go down to, you know, 12, 13, maybe, and then set your expectations there
2: exactly and and complicating all that is the very adult issue of hormones flowing through these bodies mm-hmm. at 12 13 14 15 so it's kind of like you know, giving somebody uh, well i can't think of a good analogy i was going to say giving somebody a gun and expecting them to know how to shoot it cuz we don't want to go there yeah. but it's just but it is um it is giving the reins to someone to, to who really doesn't know how to control the wild horse you know it's the stallion right. you're trying to break the stallion and it's just it's it's incredibly difficult but by George, they feel grown up. I have to tell you that when I was seventeen, I thought I knew everything. Then yep. after after I was seventeen, that was the high point of my whole life in terms of knowledge. Yeah, as <laughs> <laughs> what I believe to be true, anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
2: like I got this, I got this now, and then I realized, no, I don't really think I have this. So um, you know, even at, even when I was when I graduated from from high school, and I graduated with with honors, and you know, all you know, so I I had done all the good girl stuff. I had pleased my teachers. I had people pleased the, enough people that I got through and that I, I'd studied and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't have a lot of friends, but I managed to get through. But when I got to college is when everything began to fall apart. So I think for every kiddo, um, there is a point at which ADHD rears its little head and says, you're going to pay attention to me. And I, and I use that kind of in a punny way. But um, for some kiddos, it may be just going to kindergarten that it's oh my gosh this is this is really a big deal for this kiddo, and she she needs some help. Or maybe it's transferring from middle school into high school. Suddenly everything changes, the structure's not there, and suddenly the ADHD mm-hmm. is exposed. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's going into college. Sometimes it's that first job. Sometimes it's having that first baby. Sometimes it's getting married. Sometimes it's having the third baby. I talk to a lot of women who have did fine with the first baby, did fine with the second baby. They had that third baby. It's like, oh my gosh. I can't <laughs> think anymore. It's I, I'm lost. I don't know. I'm, they're just you know, like feeling like blithering idiots. And it's because the stress level has gone up so much and there's so many more things to, to shuffle. And I, I would take that back down to a child level when when kiddos back to kind of that messy book bag. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you've got not just one book and it stays in your desk all the time, but you've got five books and you're dragging them around with you and you've forgotten and left one in study hall. And now you need to read that because you got an assignment due tomorrow. All those things are the shuffling pieces that we have to learn to take care of. As we grow up, we learn to do it better and better. Not every kiddo without ADHD is perfect at it either. Let's face it, this is a learning process. And that's what's really cool about it is that as your ADHD kid begins to move through this, you can help support them by knowing what's going on. That's the most important piece. That awareness of the fact that your daughter is going to probably have a little more trouble with the test. If it's the day, day her period starts, then she is going to have it a week later. So maybe needs a little extra studying. Um, and, of course you're also dealing with that rebellion piece too because they're trying to push away from mom and dad or mom and mom they're trying to push away and be and be more independent just at the time when they need your support probably more because of exactly what you talked about Penny that that developmental delay you know emotionally certainly emotionally and Mm -hmm. intellectually as well. So being Mm -hmm. able to plan and do those kind of things. So academics can be a savior for some folks with ADHD and they can be the downfall. So a lot of times Mm -hmm. report cards will trigger, Oh my gosh, something's going on here. You say that you're doing things, but you're not really doing them. And that's when the blame can, can kick in. Oh, well you're lying to me about this. Well, I got to be honest with you that ADHD kiddos lie because they pr- are trying to protect themselves because they don't want to admit what a poor job they're doing. Exactly. It's not, it's not a character. F- I mean, not that we yes. want to encourage lying. Don't get me wrong here. <laughs> we no, don't. I am totally with you. It's self-preservation. But, exactly. That's a great way to put it. I love that. Um, they, they simply need to, they, they need, <laughs> I know that, um, a friend of mine who, who also helps kiddos with ADHD says, find something to acknowledge them about find something positive. Mm-hmm, Even mm-hmm. if it's, I love the way you tied your shoes this morning. I mean, you, they need less, far, far, far less, um, reminders of how poorly they're doing exactly. and many, many, many more reminders of what they're doing. Right. And that just kills parents because it's like, but I see all these things that are wrong. I just see this enormous wave of things that we need to get fixed. And especially if the parent is not ADHD, that chasm is even bigger. Um, a lot of ADHD parents have trouble because they're having trouble managing themselves, let alone their kiddo. And right. of course, as you well know, a lot of folks with ADHD, um, parents with ADHD don't realize they have it until their children are diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Because oh yeah, that sounds familiar kind of thing. But imagine the difficulty in trying to keep somebody else on a consistent schedule and helping them to learn how to do it when you can't even do it. So ADHD folks with ADHD families struggle, all of them struggle whether the parents are ADHD or whether they aren't it's a difficult situation and yet kids of uh, whether they have ADHD or not need acknowledgement 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 understand what's going on be aware of what their what their issues are help them the best way that you can academically because a lot of you are dealing with academics out there but acknowledgement is is the way to go here and i know that your children will will you know, second that motion, if they've had a teacher who was very accepting and acknowledging of them, and then they went into a classroom where a teacher was incredibly rigid and right. the teacher was, you will do it my way. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not going to do as well in that kind of an environment. Not that they should goof off. Don't get me wrong here. I'm, I, there's, they're extremes no, totally with you. Yep. So anyway, so I, I kind of went off on a tangent, but that's okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> One of not-
1: my favorite sayings that I just heard, I've been reading um, the whole brain child one of, and and this this um, quote completely predates that, um, but they use it in a great fashion when talking about kids with disabilities. See the donut, not the hole. Yeah, that's so great. the good part is the donut, you know, and the weaknesses are there in that hole. But you know, we have to focus more on the donut. Mm-hmm. And and support what's in the hole, but not focus on it. And that's you know, um, Hallowell's book, Super Parenting for ADD. That's mm-hmm. a lot of what he talks about is find those gifts, those interests, those talents, and push that. Spend as much time on that as you can, and and nurture those things for your child because that's going to boost self esteem.
2: Exactly, exactly. I want to. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I know we're running out of time here. But I just want to mention that um, I. I um, became interested in positive psychology some years ago because um, I, I knew that the Pollyanna thing wasn't just, oh, just think positive thoughts and it'll all be good. I wanted mm-hmm. the science, so I joined the International Positive Psychology Association, IPA, as it's called, which is kind of a cute little name. And I've been to several of their conferences, and one of the things that I did was train to be a VIA coach. And the VIA, it's capital V, capital I, capital A. It's, it used to stand for values in action. I don't think they use that anymore. But they had the positive psychology people at UPenn, University of Pennsylvania, developed a survey that that listed 24 universal character strengths and I won't waste time telling you about it you can read about yourself if you want to but trust me when I say that that it crosses cultures and continents and genders and ages and all kinds of things and it's a it's kind of a long survey to take it but you take it online and it's absolutely free And um, it gives you your top five or six character strengths. And they don't have one for young children, but they do have a version for teenagers. So if you're having a lot of trouble with your ADHD teen daughter, you might invite her to take this VIA survey because it will show both of you, not just you, but her, Mm -hmm. what her strengths are. And these are not, it's not personality traits. It's things like curiosity, and, and one of mine is, is um, creativity. Um, frankly, one of them is self-regulation, and that's often at the bottom for ADHD folks. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay because the point is not to look at the bottom and say, Oh, we got to fix this. The point in the BIA survey is that you look at those top five character strings and you accent them even more. Mm -hmm. So I will be looking at something and say, how can I be even more creative about doing this instead of how do I get more self-regulation about this? That's just like beating your head against a brick wall. All that does is give you a headache and a bloody forehead. That's silly to do that. Right. Your kids are like that a lot of the time so you can acknowledge them wow that was an amazingly creative way to do this oh that was amazing and they'll roll their eyes and go yeah yeah mom that survey told you to say that but yeah. secretly they're going to feel good about it right mm-hmm. they're going to know yeah that is something good that i do i can be really creative now creativity can go can go south too but we won't sure sure
1: yeah <laughs> i mean i think you I know mention, so
2: i want to mention where people can find it you can find it it has nothing to do with my website or anything it's just something i use it's VIA, as, the, as the, I just spelled out, VIA, survey with S U R V E Y dot O-O-R-G, ORG, dot org, VIA survey org. Again, they have a teenage version, and I think you'll find it really helpful. You can even order, I think it's 20 bucks, to even order the more detailed report if you want to do that. And that might be a, a worthwhile $20 investment for your child and for you to just really pay attention. There may be no surprises. I knew I was creative to begin with, right? I didn't know that I knew exactly what the, what the ranking of those things are. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, those um, VIH character traits tend to be pretty consistent across a lifetime. Now, I'm not sure that that's true between the teenage and adult version, but the adult version is across a lifetime. So yeah. you might even choose to take the adult version yourself, especially if you're an ADHD parent and you might need some support yourself. Because ADHD yeah. moms, ADHD moms and dads need help too, because I, for part of the reason I mentioned before, because it's hard to be consistent for them when you have inconsistency yourself, and, and a host of other things which, which we don't have time to talk about today. But anyway,
1: yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that. I hadn't heard of it, but I'm certainly going to check it out. I like that it it's almost it reminds me of the aptitude tests that they give kids throughout high school to try to figure out where their strengths lie as far as career development. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just more of a personal personality thing, but it you know, is. all of those are extremely valuable. So I love that you mentioned that.
2: Absolutely.
1: You did give me a few more resources for our audience about ADHD and women and girls. Yeah. I will have those resources and where to contact Linda in the show notes that you can find at parentingadhdandautism.com backslash zero one zero. But real quick, we'll mention them here as well. There's Terry Matlin's book, Survival Tips for ADHD Women. I also like her book, um, Queen of Distraction. She has a lot of super helpful tips, just tons and tons of tips in that book. Um, Understanding Girls with ADHD by Kathleen Nadow and Ellen Lippman and Patricia Quinn. There's also Attention Girls, a guide to learn all about your ADHD, which is for ages 7 through 12. And that's also by Dr. Patricia Quinn, who is awesome. And yeah. then Women with ADHD, for any of the women and moms out there, um, by Sari Solden. And all of those women that have authored these books that Linda has recommended are all experts in ADHD in women and girls. So those are all really great resources. And um, you can certainly reach out to Linda at her website, addiva.net or addivaretreats.com. And I will go ahead and put links for her Facebook, Twitter, um, her coaching spa, her email on the show notes so that everyone can access them there. Did you have any last comments that you wanted to be sure? To squeeze in, Linda,
2: before we end this episode. Well, I just think that we kind of need to go back to the beginning and remind and remind parents that girls with ADHD often are missed. So pay attention. You, it may only show up in the report card, but they often are are you know, at home. They they are easily going. They are going to be easily distracted, or they may be able to focus. Like boys do on something like a video game or something, they, they get really hyper focused on something um, that happens even with inattentive little girls. But remember that adolescence, especially when the hormones kick in, estrogen kicks in and, and does its you know, its regular thing, eventual regular thing, is an important. Um, turning point for ADHD girls. Many more are diagnosed, so it's important to pay attention to that. And then notice also that there usually is a breaking point when ADHD becomes much more apparent. And for girls, it may be it may manifest as increasing depression or increasing anxiety. And don't let a professional tell you that it's just anxiety if your kiddo is also always late, or is always, uh, or is daydreaming a lot, or is um, doesn't pay attention to what you're saying to them. And it's not necessarily making eye contact. They can make eye contact with you and not even be there with you. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. So, So those those kinds of things, and I and I. And not having having difficulty in social situations with peers is a, is a huge tip-off for ADHD. Yeah. So yeah. Notice, notice those potential breaking points where structure decreases, and that's where parents may need to swoop in and provide more structure for their kiddo. Even if their kiddo doesn't like it a lot, mm-hmm. um, they will appreciate it in the long run. And I guess finally, what I want to say, and we didn't really have time to talk about this, but The best thing that you can do for your daughter with ADHD is to help her set that structure up so that when she does leave home eventually, whether it's for college or getting married or a job or whatever it is, um, that's when that breaking point happens for a lot of girls because they don't have the structure from their parents. So don't do it always for them, but show them in the best way that they can do it. That's the most important piece for successful ADHD women
1: walk them through it and teach them how to do it for themselves for sure yeah. and that goes for all kids with ADHD they sure. need that skill development um, sure. and and back on that diagnosis piece just for a second you know if you think you're seeing these symptoms and you have a clinician who is not or they're not willing to give that diagnosis because it doesn't look like the typical ADHD or the ADHD that's spelled out in the dsm5 I would encourage you to follow your intuition, seek out another um, clinician to do another evaluation, just keep going. If you feel really strongly that you're seeing struggles that are more than just being a kid or more than being an adolescent girl, keep pushing until you find someone who's at least going to look very deeply and make a really strong consideration and listen to your concerns. Um, it's really important because, again, they, they tend to be kind of shrugged off, girls with these. It, it's almost a lot of it really falls into stereotypes of girls being daydreamy and um, being more introverted. And so I think it's really important to, for parents to kind of have that permission to follow their intuition and keep working on it if you feel really strongly about it
2: absolutely and thank you for saying that i just want to i just want to quickly say i forgot the name of the dvd but the D, the program is add and loving it and if you haven't watched it, it's not necessarily it's like about it, but adhd and loving it is phenomenal so yeah. that's that's what that psychologist said if you know one person with adhd you know one person with adhd so mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's a great film i love <laughs> yeah. that one yeah, yeah it's good stuff and i'll put a link um to information on that in the show notes as well Perfect. So with that, we will wrap up. I want to thank you again for being on the Parenting ADHD podcast. I know that your insights on ADHD and girls are going to help parents out there and um, their girls, of course, as <laughs> well. So hopefully we can have you on the podcast again in the future.
2: That would be great. I would love to. And thank you so much for allowing me to share some information with your with your audience. If they have questions, they can reach me at linda at addiva.net.
1: Awesome. And with that, we will end this episode. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit the website, ParentingADHDandAutism.com for so much more on successfully raising kids with ADHD. Be sure to check out the podcast section as well for previous shows. Join us next time for more parenting strategies and insights that actually work for kids with ADHD.